Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us today, and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. As you know, our aim on this platform is to discuss the nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own spheres of influence, be it your personal life, your business life, you at play, and wherever it is you find yourself engaged with other people. With that, be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, The Communication Guru Podcast, so that you can be notified when new episodes are released and available for public consumption. Now, over the past, I don't know, year or so, there seems to be an explosion of conversation about relationships. You can't traverse any of the social media streets, Instagram, LinkedIn, or otherwise, Facebook, everywhere, WhatsApp. People are talking about relationships and, you know, the roles of women and men and high value men and women and what's expected of each one and all this kind of stuff. And so I just want to throw my voice into the mix of this as well. Since everybody got something to say, I have something to say, too. So I'm going to say it today. And so what I really want to have as the framework, though, is coming from the perspective of the ultimate goal for men and women being marriage. Now, if you're one to say, hey, I'll never be married. I don't want to get married. I'll never be married. Well, this isn't necessarily applicable to you while you are going to be able to extract value from it because these principles are universal with respect to maximizing relationships between men and women, they really come into play in a marriage because once a person is married, the stakes are a bit higher. A person, a man can live with a woman for, I don't know, years. Well, we've been living together for 10 years. If you're not married, there's still an element that you guys are missing. Well, marriage is just a piece of paper. That's a lie. If it was just a piece of paper, those that have been living together for 10 years would just go ahead and sign that piece of paper and be married. But they don't because in the back of their mind, they understand that the ultimate union is between an official man and woman being married. You can be boyfriend and girlfriend for as long as you want to. You know, you still have that out. You don't have this tie that binds when you're not married. So I'm coming from the perspective of married couple. And if you are desirous to be married, these are some things that you can get into your psyche and begin to practice and become familiar with because you're going to need them when you do get married. Once you say I do. A lot of people put the emphasis on marriage itself, the ceremony, the doves, the train that the bride has on her dress, the bridesmaids, little girls kicking out flowers and rose petals down the aisle. That is but a fraction, less than one percent of what a marriage is, that marital ceremony. The marriage begins actually after you say I do. You saying I do is getting married. The marriage starts after you say I do. So we're going to talk about a couple of principles here that are going to really be vital to the success of your relationship. And so what we're going to get into today is 
relationships. Now, given the foundational bedrock of humanity is the relationship between a man and woman, it stands to reason that getting this relationship thing right is vital to the furtherance of mankind as well as, you know, correlatively, it is key to the success of interpersonal communication. You know, it's at the bare bones basics, man and woman having their communication, and it forms the bedrock of the family. And usually, the family's interaction, dysfunction or not, reverberates out into the rest of society. And so what we're going to do is really talk about that from a biblical perspective. Because as a man of faith, I reference the Bible as the foundational truth of human existence. Everybody can intellectualize this, and I think my theory, theoretically, blah, 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 so that everybody can say something smart. So we need to have some third-party arbitrator that we say, you know what, we're going to use this as a standard, and this is going to be the standard bearer. We're going to live up to this standard, and if we're falling short of it, we'll be able to call each other on the carpet saying, hey, you ain't living up to your part of the bargain. The standard is this, you ain't doing that, or the standard is this, and you're living up to it. Thank you so much for living up to the standard of what is optimal for maximized relationships. That being said, I'm going to come from a couple of scriptures and we're going to talk about just three key components. I'm going to get out of your hair. This is going to be really, really quick and to the point. So I want you to pay close attention because this is very, very helpful. We're going to talk about the foundation of the principle of love language and its practical application. Again, the principle of love language and its practical application. You've heard things, my love language is gifts, my love language is touch, my love language is attention, my love, all of that kind of stuff. It has to have a foundation from which those things can be built from. And we're going to talk about those foundational truths based on the Bible of the principle of love language and its practical application. And so from that, we will identify these three key areas that we're going to go through. That's the foundation itself. Number two, gender roles. And number three, ap practical application slash communication best practices. Now, it's one thing to be theoretical. Well, actually, we have to do this, this, this. Then you also have the practical. A lot of things are theoretically laid out, but if you don't have a clue as to how to practically apply said theory, your life is going to suck. And we don't want you to have a sucky life. So we're going to go through these things. To do so, we're going to check out a couple of scriptures because they are chock full of principles that also have an attendant practical application. And we're going to share some of those things because we live in the real world, you know, and sometimes, you know, if somebody comes to you with uh, theoretical principles. Hey, the theory is this. You don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. So if you can live it out, you don't have to tell them anything. You can show it and demonstrate. It. It's called show and prove. So show and prove. That's what we're going to be discussing today. So first scripture we're going to reference. And I want you to listen very, very carefully. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified Bible. Now, this is talking about, we're talking about gender. We're talking about men and women. Talking about relationships, love language, practical application. Coming from a biblical principle for a husband and wife, because while we both have responsibilities to one another, our responsibilities might be executed in different ways. Uh-huh. We both got a responsibility. Execution can come out in different ways. Listen carefully. We're going to get into this. Let's go ahead. Starting at Ephesians chapter number five, starting at verse number 20. It says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said, this is a faith-based perspective. If you ain't in the, in the faith, well, you might not be able to get all of what this is. But 
it can still benefit you even if you're not a person of faith because it's true. I've been married. It'll be 25 years in September. I also serve as associate pastor at World Outreach Center. Senior pastors, Urban and Melvin Henderson. Shout out to World Outreach. Shout out, Pastors Henderson and my wife, Cheryl. Shout out, babe. Ah. Now, in the 25 years, it hasn't always been hunky-dory. It hasn't always been perfect. As a matter of fact, she'll tell you that she probably wanted to leave me two or three times. Now, it wasn't because of some catastrophic, egregious behavior. He cheated on me. That wasn't it. It was that she didn't like how we were engaging one another. And so she, look, I'm gone. But she didn't leave because she came to her better senses and knew that whatever the challenge was, it was able to be worked through through communicative means based on the Bible. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. So listen. Anyway, chapter five, Ephesians verse number 20. Now we're in a better place now and she ain't perfect either. But there's some things that we do for each other. We put up with from each other. We don't do to each other because we want our relationship to work. You know what I'm saying? We both have a role to play. Now, we might not have to do it in the same way, but we both got to do something. You and your relationships, you got something to do. It ain't just your significant other that's foul and janky. You might be raggedy in some areas, too. So we're going to address some of those things so that we can live, as the storybooks say, happily ever after. That don't happen by osmosis. That happens as a result of the practical application of best practices that promote a healthy, happy, and joyous relationship. That said, verse 20 says again, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's King James Version, starting at verse 21, Amplified. Be subject one to another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. Okay? Be subject one. Well, the woman's supposed to submit. Well, the man's supposed to submit. To the, listen. Listen. Let's just read the Bible. Let's just see what it says. It said, be in subjection one to another, which simply means that, hey, I have some deference I have to give to you as my spouse. Okay? Now we're going to get into what our specific differences are based on who we are gender-wise in this relationship. Wives, comma. There's a comma there to denote he's just talking to wives here. He ain't talking to the husband. Or else he said husbands and wives. Now the subject the, the previous verse says, be subject one to another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Which means that the husband got some stuff he got to do too, but we haven't gotten to there yet. We're gonna get there. We ain't talking to them right now, though. No. We're talking to we're talking to the wives. Okay? So check it out. It says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Wives, be subject. This is from the Amplified Bible. Dig this. Be submissive and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service to the Lord. That's something that the wife has to do. We're talking about successful love language principles and the practical application thereof. So a wife or a woman that wants to be married in her mindset, she has to think, Okay, I'm going to have to be, I'm going to have to have a spirit of submission, not slavery. I'm just going to be a slave. It didn't say that. Or can you read? Can you hear? It says submission, meaning that I'm going to give deference to the man. Now I can go back to Genesis to tell you why this order is the way it is, but I ain't on that just yet. I'm going to talk right here from where I am. Just listen with an open ear, open heart, because if you are a wife or want to be wife, this is talking to you. Wise, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourself. Adapt yourselves. Well, my husband, he just did. Well, you have to adapt yourself to him. Not saying become him, 
But if you know that your husband's a certain kind of a way, you're going to have to know that when you're dealing with him, you're dealing with who he is. So adjust yourself to be able to deal with him without being bitter, funky and foul acting and mean spirited when you're talking to him because he make you sick with how he be acting. Adapt yourself. So if you know you got somebody that's slow, well, take some extra time when you're dealing with him because he might be a little slow. If y'all need to be at the reservation by seven o'clock p.m. and he moves slow, you might have to say, hey, man, can you be ready to leave the house by six o'clock? Because it's going to take him maybe 20 minutes to get past six. But if you get him 20 minutes past six, that's 620. You still got a chance to make it to your reservation at seven. Adapting yourself. You know what you're dealing with. Yeah. Let's keep reading. I'm going to get to the husbands. I'm going to get to them. That ain't fair. I'll get to the husbands later. I'm talking to you now, wives. So listen up. Wives, be subject, be submissive, adapt to yourself, to your, to adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service of the Lord. For the husband is the, is head of the wife. Now you might talk the most. You're not the head though. You're not. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, himself the savior of his body. Their gender roles. There's a hierarchy here. Okay. Now we ain't even, don't even get into, ooh, he's going to be mistreated. We ain't getting all of that because he has some things he has to do too. And one of those things is not to mistreat you. So if he's mistreating you, he's not walking according to the standard either. Now notice this does not say so long as your spouse is doing what they're supposed to be doing, you do this. That's, they didn't put that qualifier out there. It said this is what your role is. Now what this can do because it's biblical, God sees to it that if you're doing your part, he will step in and see to it that you are being done right ultimately. Okay? Ah, so much. I mean, let me just get through this because this is so juicy. Hmm. And I haven't even gotten to the husbands yet. Don't get it twisted. The husband's got some stuff to do, too. Matter of fact, we got to do more than y'all Uh-huh. in terms of personal sacrifice. So don't act like you giving the most wife. You ain't. That was just a little husbandness getting off my chest as a husband of 25 years close to. We got work that we be doing, too. So join the club. Yeah. Wives, be subject, be submissive, and adapt yourselves to your own husbands as a service of the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, himself the savior of his body. As the church is subject as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject in everything to their husbands. Whew. Now that's a pause. That's a, that's not a, I ain't gonna front. That's a big pill to swallow. But if you want to be a wife, this isn't TV. This ain't Young and the Wrestlers. This ain't the soap opera. This is real life. If you are wanting to become a wife, there are some things and responsibilities that come with that. So really take under consideration what you're signing up for, because that's what you're signing up for. Don't get into it. I don't want to be doing all of this. Well, you shouldn't have got married. OK, that's the price. That's your price that you have to pay. Now, it's not saying it will be a drudgery kind of a thing, a thing that's filled with toil and hardship and suckiness. No, do it with joy and vigor. And if you're doing it really, really good, it will help your husband even be incentivized to do you right. So you guys are incentivizing each other to do each other right. Again, it does not qualify this to say that you are to do these things only if your spouse is pristine and perfect. Mm -mm. You signed up for marriage and whatever you think marriage is, it also is this right here. Okay. So you want to be fundamentally sound. Even when you build a house, you want to build a house on a firm foundation. Why? So that when the winds blow and the rains come, the house don't fall down like Humpty Dumpty. So you have to have these foundational truths. These are the vegetables to the meal of marriage. 
<laughs> bars, vegetables to the meal. That's good. Vegetables to the meal of marriage. Let's keep going. Husbands. All right, wives, y'all off the hook now. So remember that the last line I said, as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be subject in everything to their husband. So that means that if there is a final decision that needs to be made, the husband gets the final say, unless he defers to you. Hey, honey, what do you think? We can make this decision together and uh, da, 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 whatever y'all, however y'all discuss that out. But ultimately, the final decision should be the husband. Now, many times the wife takes the lead in things. Well, that's because the husbands don't step up to the plate. Well, why why doesn't he step up to the plate? Does he always have to get into a fight with you to step up to the plate because you always trying to beat ahead? Or do you defer? Okay, honey, look, this is the situation that we have. What decision? What do you think we should do? And when he says it, y'all roll with that. Now, if you got a question with it, you say, well, hey, honey, let me ask you this question. What about this? What about that? You can discuss it in a way because we have a respect for one another and he's the head. Well, I think he's going to make a bad decision. Well, you can help get information that can help him make better decisions. And let me tell you this, because God is omniscient. If you are deferring to your husband as according to scripture and he does some things that, you know, that go beyond just you don't like them, but they may have not been the best decision. The grace of God can protect you and the household because you're operating under God's premises and ways of doing things. So there's some extra cheese that God brings to the table that you know not of because it's a divine fourth dimensional type of essence that goes beyond just the third dimensional plane that we live and exist in physically. There's other matter at work, but that's a whole nother story. Let me go ahead and keep going. Husbands talking to us now, the fellas. Now, this is what we got to do. Now, we just talked about the wives. Like I said, be subject one to another. So we both have some things. We have to do some responsibilities that we have to one another. They just have to be executed in different ways. Some overlap, some distinctions. These are the distinctions. Husbands, I ain't talking to the wives now. I'm talking to the husbands. So wives, hush. I ain't talking to y'all right now. I'm talking to the dudes. Husbands, love your wives. Now, we don't even say in that first part about wives loving their husbands. Just got to respect him and be submissive to the things that he is leading you to. We got to love y'all. <laughs> I'm going to get to that love in just a second. Check the husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. So the love that I have to have for my wife, whether she talk a lot, whether she's nagging, whether she, ugh, even when and she's not in her best moments, it doesn't say so long as she's nice and sweet and submissive to me and everything. No, I don't say that. Even when she's being a ugh. A nag. There's a certain way I'm to entreat her. Yeah. So wives, y'all ain't the only ones that got something to do. We got something to do too. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he sh that it should be holy and without blemish. This is all the stuff husband got to do for a wife. Like Christ did all this stuff for the church. That's the husband's responsibility. You think that ain't no big deal? You think that ain't big? You think that don't require sacrifice and effort and having to, you know, do stuff you don't feel like doing all the time? Let me tell you, it's a big deal. I'm a husband and I be doing this. It ain't always easy, but I do it because I want to have a successful marriage. And I've been married almost 25 years. So there. That he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. 
he that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man still talking about husband stuff. You know what I'm saying? We got even more verses than y'all in this particular passage. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For as we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones, for this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife. So he's still talking husband, got to do some more stuff. So love his wife, even as himself and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So, oh, man, I read all that in the King James Version. Let me read all that in the Amplified. I'm almost done. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is verse five, chapter five, verse 25, Ephesians. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water by the word, that he might present the church to himself in glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and faultless. Let me just park right here. So with you wives to think, well, my husband's going to mistreat me if I do him right. Ain't nowhere in here does it say he's supposed to be mistreating you. Okay. Presenting it to himself like Christ the church with glorious splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and faultless. Even so, husbands should love their wives as being in their in, in a sense their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church. Where do you feel abuse in there? You don't. So don't be putting stuff in there that ain't in there. We're talking about the standards. Now, if you got a joker that ain't living up to the standard, that's one thing. That don't mean that the standard ain't the standard. That just means the joker you with ain't living up to it yet. So the standard is this, the cherishing, the nourishing, the protecting, the loving his wife and his own self. That's what the husband's role is. My point is there are principles. This is the principle for the husband. And there's a practical application to it. So you ain't going to lose out being submissive to him. If he doing all this, you being nourished and cherished, you ain't losing. Just play your part and expect him to play his. Let me keep going. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and carefully protects and cherishes it as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is very great, but I speak concerning the relation of Christ and the church. However, let each man of you without exception, all y'all that call yourselves a husband, all y'all got to do this. Yeah. This is the level of standard you supposed to live up to. Yep. Love his wife as being in a sense, his very own self and let the wife see that she respects and reverences her husband, that she notices him, regards him, honors him, prefers him, venerates and esteems him and that she defers to him, praises him and loves and admires him exceedingly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's some ouchness on both sides. You ain't that easy to deal with either wife. So give your husband some credit for putting up with you too to this level. Okay. Now, as you guys are working this thing out together, that is the principle. That is the level. <sighs> I mean, I got so much more to say, but I'm just going, I'm going to go, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. I was going to go to, to first Peter, but I, something else is up in my spirit. I'm going to flow. I'm going to flow what's in my spirit. I'm gonna give you what love is. It's the love language. This is talking about the principles of love. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. Now, this is what love is, because in other scriptures, it talks about the woman is encouraged to love her husband as well. So we are to exhibit love, a deference, a do no harm clause to our spouse. Check this out. This is love. Listen to this. 
I'm gonna reading. I'm reading from the 13th chapter of First Corinthians. I'm gonna read verses one through eight, and we're gonna kind of wrap this up. I might have to do a part two for this because this list love. So if you are a wife, love your husband. You're a husband, love your wife. Now, this isn't the romantic, oh, my God, a bouquet of flowers. And then now that can be you can add that to it, too. But this is the again, the vegetables to the meal of marriage. Dig this love. So when you're thinking about love, I love my spouse. OK, love them like this. It says, if I can speak in the tongues that come from the Bible, first Corinthians, chapter 13, verses one through eight. If I can speak in the tongues of men and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love for and in us, I am only a noisy gong or a clinging, clanging cymbal. <laughs> that was the first verse. There's some more verses. Dig this. And if I have prophetic powers, the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. And if I have sufficient faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love God's love in me, I am nothing, a useless body. Whew. I ain't done. I got some more verses. Dig this. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor and providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned or in order that I may glory, but have not love God's love in me, I gain nothing. So in a marriage, you ain't got to have no little checklist. I did this. 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 Did you love like this, though? So if you didn't love like this, all you doing don't mean jack. Not compared to love. Why don't you start with the love part and do all that from a place of love, not from a place of check mark offishness. Verse number four, love endures long. Listen to this. Love endures long and is patient and kind. So that means if your spouse is doing some stuff that really get on your nerves, you ain't supposed to be acting foul and stanky and funky with them. You're supposed to be loving and kind and patient, even in the midst of them doing something that you don't like. That's real love, according to scripture. Wow. Yeah. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never, never, never means never, never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant and inflated with pride. It is not rude. You make me sick. You get on my nerves. That ain't love, player. That ain't love, man. Why do you always give me that ain't love? What's love got to do? Got to do with it. Who needs a heart where the heart can be broken? Ah, got to do with it. Shout out Tina Turner. May she rest in peace. Love has everything to do with it. It's the bedrock of the relationship. Uh-huh. Now, what she was enduring was stuff that wasn't love. So much so that she thought that love had went off into oblivion, recoiled to the recesses of hell, never to rise again like the phoenix to be seen and applied in relationships ever again. That, as we know, is a farce and not the truth. Love is the bedrock of successful marriages and relationships. <sighs> what none of that in my notes. That's off the dome. 
Let me keep going. I'm almost done. Bear with me. It is not love. It is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights. Just got to be my way. It don't. Shut up and walk in love on its own rights or its own way. For it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Well, I remember three years ago, you did. did. Shut up. That ain't love. You wasn't even supposed to take account of that. Mm. Love doesn't keep score. I got two more verses left. Three more. Verse six, seven and eight. Verse six says it does love. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. So that's a whole nother way. We can get into diversity, equity, inclusion, all of that kind of stuff from whatever socioeconomic equity for all love even reaches into that stuff. And if you are against that, you are loveless. Ooh, that means it can step outside of the man woman relationship into other issues of justice. But I ain't got time to get into all of that right now. Man, that's man. Boy, this is some good stuff. Last two verses. Wait, 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 go back to verse six. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Last two verses. Verse number seven. Love bears up under anything. Well, you don't understand how much it love is strong enough to handle it. It bears up under Bears up under. Listen to those words. It bears up under, meaning that the strength that you will need to endure whatever you need to go through because your spouse is acting like a knucklehead. Now, there are some things that you have. You can get a divorce. You can walk away from be it infidelity, cheating, if there's substantial abuse and all that kind of stuff. I ain't saying stay in an abusive relationship and all that kind of stuff. I'm saying, well, hey, if you need to leave, leave. I'm just saying there is a way that you can stay if the bedrock is love. The question is, are you willing to put forth the magnitude of love? That can deal with it. Love bears up under anything. That means that no matter what you're going through at the hands of your spouse. Again, I'm not saying stay in abusive relationships or stay in a team. I'm not saying that. Leave if you want to leave. Bye. I'm just saying that love is so powerful, though, you can stay. It says love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless. Under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening. That's love. Now, whether you choose to walk like that, that's on you. You ain't got to. You, hey, I'm folding it up. I ain't taking this no more. I'm out. Hey, Tina Turner wrote a song. What love I do? She, you can be out. I'm not saying don't be out. Be out if you want to be out. I'm just saying, but even if in your outness, love is strong enough. It has an elasticity, a strength that can handle whatever. Mm. But we all want to be in a situation where, you know, our spouse ain't going to the extreme being filed to us. I'm just saying you do have the capacity to still roll with it via love. Last verse. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. That's love, player. That's love. So how do you practically apply this? I think it comes down to I'm just going to say this. and I'm going to roll on out. It comes down to respect. When you're engaging your spouse, speak in a tone that's inviting and conciliatory. Don't raise your voice. Don't get into an argument. And when you sense that the conversation is about to boil over, be the one that's okay. Hold on, hold on. It seems like this conversation is about to, you know, kind of get out of hand. Why don't we put this on the shelf and come back to it later when we both have cooler heads? 
that's that, that that's wisdom. Now, what happens is sometimes our spouse gets on our nerves so much that we don't want to be conciliatory. We're in our emotions. We're in the heat of the moment and we want to get whatever it is off of our chest, no matter what type of damage it does. And now we got to come back and reconcile and fix that damage. How about not doing the damage in the first place? How about that? An ounce of prevention usually is worth more than a pound of cure. So let's not go there in the first place. You know, when you about to snap off on somebody, you know, your inner your inner temperature, that inner thermostat in you is starting to rise and you can feel it. You can. As soon as you start feeling it, you should be the one to say, oh, let me let's not talk about this right now because it might not produce the best outcome. Those are practical applications of love. That's a love language too. the refraining. From going off the handle again, as you are learning your spouse, you know what they like, you know what their proclivities are. They aren't you. You might be the neat, orderly person. They might be a little sloppy. So what? Okay, they ain't going to not be not sloppy. Now, they might be able to be less sloppy because they've been married to you and they're trying to be pleasing. They don't want to always have you saying, why are you so sloppy? And they want, you know, but they might they're not never going to be as neat as you are. And you might not ever be as sloppy as them. That's cool. Opposites attract, though. So learn to live with each other in a respectful manner when you're engaging one another. Most relationships deteriorate not because somebody did some big, big thing, but because the way in which folks were communicating with each other, the communicative manner in which they were engaging one another became acerbic and testy and foul and mean spirited. And nobody wants to be cut like a knife with somebody's mouth. Words wound. The sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's one of the biggest lies ever told. The Bible in Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So not only can words hurt you, words can kill. In a similar fashion, words can also give life. So in your marriage or relationships, you want to be able to speak in a way that gives life to the spouse, even when you're talking about difficult things. There's been many a times that I have to control myself around my wife. I ain't want to be beaten. She a woman. She can't whoop me. You know what I'm saying? I'll beat her up. She can't beat me up. But I don't go there. I don't put my hands on my wife. That's fine. You don't have enough control over me to move me to that. I have self-restraint. So what I'll do is if I'm feeling like that, okay, I'm just going to keep it 100. Because some people get beat up in their marriage. You know what I'm saying? Some people get killed in their marriages. You know what I'm saying? So don't act like it don't happen. It do. I'm saying I'm not one to get down like that because I have a level of restraint. I have a level of love that I walk in with my wife that restrains me from going there. And if I feel myself getting there, because as a man, men can get to the point of no return. Most of the most violent acts that have been created throughout all humanity are created by are happen by men because we'll joke men a snap and deal with the consequences later. So we have to control ourselves not to go there because we'll go all the way. Wherever there is, we'll go there. So you don't want to be going there with your spouse, though. That's fine. But what I'm saying is there's a level of restraint that you have to exercise or else you will go there, particularly if your spouse is egging you on or doing some things that are provoking you. So you have to have a level of control of yourself first so that love starts with you. Love yourself first and then the love for your spouse can be an outgrowth or an overflow of that love. Ooh, that's a whole nother subject. And my time is coming near an end. So these were... The principles of love language or the principle of love language and its practical application. We might get into some more of this, you know, later. I might even bring my wife on to discuss some things. So y'all guys, I want a woman's perspective. 
shut up. I'll bring my wife on maybe one of these times. She can go ahead and rap about the woman stuff. But the principle remains the same no matter where it's coming from. So the principle of love language and its practical application starts with the God kind of love, love for yourself first, so that then from the overflow of that, you're able to give that love to your spouse. The other key thing in this practical application is talk to one another in a way that is conciliatory and not accusatory and foul. Even if you're talking about difficult things, you can still talk in a calm, cool, measured way because it's, man, do I got time for I'm going to go just I got one more scripture, y'all. I got one, more, that's, that's one more. And maybe I'll just leave this as the, the 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 placeholder for our next discussion. It's just seven more verses. This is in this is man and women. Check this out. This is in first first Peter chapter number three. My goodness gracious. One through seven. And then I'm, I'm going to stop because I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop after this. It's in like manner. You married women be submissive to your own husband, subordinate yourselves as being secondary to and dependent on them and adapt yourselves to them. Whew. I know it's a lot, y'all. I know it another one of them tough pills to swallow, but you can swallow it in love. Yeah. So that even if they do not obey the word of God, they may be won over. You can win that joke over. Not by discussion, but by the godly lives of their wives. How you're acting can influence your husband. And if he acting foul, ooh, I got a great story I can tell, but I ain't going to tell you all right now because I'm running out of time. I just have a set time I want to get you guys out of here on, and I'm trying my best to stick to it. Verse number two, when they observe the pure and modest way in which you conduct yourself together with your reverence for your husband, you are to feel for him all that reverence includes to respect defer to revere him to honor esteem appreciate prize and in the human sense to adore him that is to admire praise be devoted to deeply love and enjoy your husband that's what the wise supposed to do I'm, if you i'm telling you ooh we let me just keep reading let not let not yours be the merely external adorning with elaborate interweaving and nodding of the hair and wearing of jewelry of or changes of clothes, but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible and unfailing charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit. That means that you can be a beautiful woman. You can have all the curves in all the right places. You wear the lip gloss, your hair, you smell good. You look good. Your feet, you get manicures and pedicures and facials. And oh my God, you are voluptuous, sumptuous. Mm, 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 my God. Look at that woman. You can be all of that on the outside. But if you're mean spirited and funky and foul on the inside and the spirit in which you engage your husband, that can be torture for him and your existence. So don't just be in. I'm not saying don't be beautiful, be all that stuff, too. But also be as beautiful on the inside as you're on the outside. Don't stop at your outside stuff. Putting on nice clothes, wearing all cute, got your summer gear, sundresses and cute scarves in the wintertime and all. Look at these cute boots, all that kind of stuff. Okay, do that on the inside, too. Be a sweet spirit, too, on the inside. So when he's engaging you, there's always a, my goodness, boy, my woman is the bomb. My wife is lovely inside and out. Uh-huh. I'm almost done. I only got four more verses. But let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person. Again, this is first Peter chapter three, verses one through seven. I'm on verse four with the but let it be the inward adorning and beauty of the hidden person of the heart 
with the incorruptible and unfading charm of a gentle and peaceful spirit, which is not anxious or wrought up, but is very precious in the sight of God. So God sees how difficult it is for you to walk in this kind of pristine manner with your husband, who is an imperfect creature. But God will step in and give you the strength to do it and will jump in and calm your husband down too. He'll check your husband on your behalf because you're like, God, I'm doing all this stuff your way. Why is it like I'm losing? Why is it like this dog is getting away with all kinds of stuff and I'm the one that's being upright and upstanding? Mm-mm. God got you. He see what you're doing. And it's a great price in his sight and he will be compelled to move on your behalf. You ain't always got to fix your husband. You ain't going to be able to fix him. Let God fix him. And part of you helping God to fix him is doing your part without trying to also be doing work that ain't what your calling is. Let me keep going again. And this is the wife stuff. It's some husband stuff that's coming. It's some husband stuff that's coming as well. So, again, you ain't the only one that got to do some stuff. Us husbands got stuff to do, too. Verse five, for it was thus that the pious women of old who hoped in God were accustomed to beautify themselves and were submissive to their own husbands, adapting themselves to them as themselves secondary and dependent upon them. That don't mean you're a second class citizen. That doesn't mean that he's on the top and you're on the bottom. That doesn't mean that he's the slave master and you're the slave. That ain't what that mean. That means that there's an order to the most optimal harmoniousness <laughs> of a marriage. And it happens when each of those participants, man, woman, husband, wife, play their role. Now, if you just, I'm gonna take a step, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take a back seat on this. Now, your husband could be one that gives you, you know, he gives you place, he gives you platform to, you know, do different things or make certain decisions that he's okay, honey, I'll defer to you. He a cool, he ain't tripping. You know what I'm saying? But when he is making a decision, you are to ultimately, if it comes down to it, take a step back. Let me keep going. I can feel the feedback through the airwaves. Verse number five. Again, last three verses, five, six, seven, read straight through them. For it is, it was thus that the pious woman of old who hoped in God were accustomed to beautify themselves and were submissive to their husbands, adapting themselves to them as themselves secondary and dependent upon them. It was thus that Sarah obeyed Abraham following his guidance and acknowledging his headship over her by calling him Lord, master, leader, authority. And you are now her true daughters if you do right and let nothing terrify you, not giving way to hysterical fears or letting anxieties unnerve you. If I do that, he going to do He ain't. He going to fall in line. Just do your part. God will see to it. You ain't got to fix him. God got him. Verse number seven. In the same way you married men. Okay, go to fellas. We ain't off the hook. You married men should live considerately with your wives with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation. Honoring the one. So you, if I do all that, he, his job is to honor you. You don't abuse that which you honor. So again, you don't lose out. Just do your part and hush. Always get your butt. Out the way. Doing the butt. Ow. Sexy, sexy. Mm. Anyway, throwback. Shout out to, I forget the name of the band, out of Washington, D.C., back in the late 80s, early 90s. In the same way you married men should live considerately with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation, honoring the woman. 
as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace, God's unmerited favor of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. So a man's way of handling you, God himself has said, Joker, I will cut off your prayers if you ain't doing your wife right. So he ain't got no incentive at all to not be doing you right. He says prayers won't even get through. God, it's, the Bible said his prayers will be cut off. How he handle you is tied like an umbilical cord to his prayers and effectiveness to God. So if he gets into a jam, how he treating you is going to have a factor in how he get out of that jam or not. So believe me, he got some enlightened self-interest to do you right. Because when he goes to God, he wants God to say, okay, bro, I'm going to go ahead and work with you because you're doing your wife right. As opposed to, Joker, you've been doing your wife file, so mm, these prayers ain't going to really be that effective. You just going to have to deal with this suckiness you got going on. So his prayer life, his prayer effectiveness, his ability to get through to God as a husband is tied to how he's dealing with you. That's a big deal. You ain't losing. He'll be the biggest loser. Not doing you right. Because, you know, people, he might get into a jam. Anyway, suffice it to say that the language, the principle of love language and its practical application has a lot to do with us. We take the Bible as our bedrock, particularly as it relates to the marital relationship. And we, in a practical manner, live that out day by day. Practical things. If your spouse don't like you cutting your fingernails or your toenails in the bed while they're laying down, scratching up the back of their thigh and calf and stuff with your sharp look, don't be cutting them in the bed. That's all. Just respect for one another. Uh, I'm going to have to close out here, man. Jeez, I got so much more to say, but I want to spare you all some time. I'm about at the place that I wanted to be. I probably went a little bit longer than I intended to, but we were flowing and I believe that this has been helpful. I want to see successful marriages. I want my marriage to continue to be successful as well. So thanks so much for listening in today. Remember to like, share and subscribe to the Communication Guru podcast. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Temptation vlog, which is a collection of inspirational words and encouragement and insights it can be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram, it's really designed to be wind behind your sails. There's a scripture in the Bible that says a word fitly spoken. It's like apples of gold and pictures of silver. Sometimes you just need to hear something and say, man, you know what? I really needed that. And that's what the morning inspiration is designed to do. So be on the lookout for those. And finally, if you have a communication issue that you may need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, relational or business or otherwise, uh, and would like to you know, conduct a 15 to 30 minute free consultation with me, feel free to just look me up on LinkedIn at Tim McMurtry or and or I should say Instagram and I'm at Mr. Timspiration. You can DM me there on Instagram for that. And I can, you know, wrap with you, see if we can help you get through that particular situation in the best possible way. So thanks so much for listening and watching today. I hope something was said today that has helped you in your marital relationship. And if you're not married in your significant othered relationship and until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bye. Oh.